Welcome, and thank you for joining with us today for the teaching and preaching ministry from Central Baptist Church in Kannapolis, North Carolina. As associate pastor, Barry Murray shares from the Bible how to live in a fallen world. The goal of Central Baptist Church is to change the world by teaching the Word of God. Come, let's listen in. Yeah, Philippians chapter 4 yet? Have you got there yet? And uh, let's stand on our feet and read a few verses here. This very familiar passage. Uh, you're not going to need steel toes tonight. You're going to need a hard helmet <coughs> uh, tonight, maybe. I don't know. We'll see. I, 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 I want to jump ahead of myself. Look at verse number six. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be known unto God. And the peace of God, which path all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, Brethren, he's finishing his letter. He's closing up. I think the ending of this letter is very important to us. And this is a verse, and I'm going to break it down here tonight for the message. But I think we kind of rush over this verse. I know I have. But look what it says. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, Whatsoever things are lovely, and whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, and if there be any praise, and I believe this is a command, think on these things. Think on these things. Those things which you have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do, and the God of peace shall be with you. But I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at your last care of me has flourished again, wherein you also, uh, you were also careful, but lacked opportunity. Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am in, North Carolina, South Carolina, Indiana, Pennsylvania, Ohio, confusion, therewith to be content. I know both how to be abased, and I know how to, be, how to abound everywhere and in all things. I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry. May I never get enough. I'm supposed to be full, amen? And both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. And as I go to pray, pray to Stephen, if you'd remember, if you would, uh, this week, that uh, Glenna uh, Shaver is going to have hip replacement. Some of you know the Shaver, Jean and Glenna Shaver. This live right over here, not too far from the church. Keep her in prayer this week. We'd appreciate that. Let's pray and ask God to bless our message this evening. Thank you, Lord, so much for the chance to look into your word this evening. And God, I, I have to admit, I, I don't know how long it's been in my life I've been humbled by a passage of scripture as I've been humbled by this scripture here in the last couple of weeks, kind of studying here and there to prepare for the message tonight. And I ask you, please, to give us all a listening ear and listening heart to your word. May our eyes and our heart be open. But not so much that this evening, Lord, as it is, what are we thinking about? What are we considering as we take time to think? And Lord, we ask you to be with uh, Glenna this week in her surgery. May you just help things to go well with the doctors and those involved. Bless now this message in the name I pray. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated this evening. There's a story told of a man who lived out of town. He heard a commotion in the backyard. He investigated it, and he found out that he had a gorilla up in his tree. 
immediately called 911, and it wasn't long until the animal control officer showed up on the scene, and the animal control officer had a big, ferocious dog. He had a pair of handcuffs, and he had a shotgun. He turned to the homeowner, and he said, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to climb the tree. I'm going to shake the tree. And when the gorilla falls out, the dog is going to go over and bite the gorilla on the neck. The gorilla is going to be paralyzed, and you handcuff him. And we got him. So the owner said, okay. So the animal control officer began climbing the tree, got partway up there, and all of a sudden the owner said, hey, wait a minute. What about the shotgun? He says, when I shake the tree and I come down first, shoot the dog. (laughs) And sometimes, you know, we need to be shook up about some things in our life. I, I, as I mentioned already, I, I don't know how long it's been, and this is, this is a brand new sermon for me. This is not something I, I've rehashed or heated up over, and I'm guilty of doing that every now and then, but this is something the last, last few weeks since I knew I was preaching tonight that, that uh, I've been very convicted by, this verse number eight. To be honest about it, I think that we as believers, we kind of rush through this verse but this verse is very important to us in our Christian life. I believe we, we don't spend much time on it because it is convicting. Because it does share light on what we should be thinking about. If there's be any virtue, be any praise in these things here, we're going to talk about here in a little bit. Uh, think on these things. And we're all guilty maybe of thinking of other things. But in the context of this verse, which everything else that we, all the nuggets in this chapter here, there's so much things, and you got to take it seriously and cautiously. But I looked at this, I think uh, we are commanded, think on these things. Think on these things. Some have said that these things here in in verse number eight are the briefest biography that's ever been of Christ. Finally, brothers, whatsoever things are true, we know Christ is true. He's the one and true way. Uh, he is the way, the truth, and the life. Whatever things be honest, we know that Christ is honest. And uh, uh, we know that he is just. And we know that he's pure and he's lovely. And he's beyond reproach with a good report. And if there be any virtue on these things, then we should think about Jesus Christ then, if he be these things as Christians. And I think in the Christian life, what we need the most, and I'm not here tonight to preach to you about uh, your timing, your place, your, your uh, 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 closet, whatever it may be. But I do believe this. We all need to have a sanctuary where we, our minds can go and clean up from the dirt and the filth of the world. Amen. Because we live in a dirty world. And here are some questions we need to think about as we spend time in God's Word. And we spend time not so much just reading God's Word, not so much just necessarily studying it, but do we constantly meditate, as the Bible tells us, on the Word of God? Do we keep bringing up the cud and chewing it over and over again? In our daily walk, our daily life, and all that we're doing with other people. And here's some questions I think about. How much time do we spend in the Word of God? And I believe the Holy Spirit is saying to the believers that whatever is right, whatever is practical, whatever is noble and honorable, uh, whatever that matter may be, we should consider that in our lives. We consider that in our daily lives as we live our lives out, whatever may be happening that day. How much time do we spend contemplating Christ? The only way to behold and live in true Christ, we know, is in 
the precious word of God. And we understand that. We understand where I'm preaching at this evening. But if I'm going to have liberty and freedom in my life, I'm going to have to uh, uh, take this word of God seriously. And I understand it. There's a lot of words. There's 780,000 some words in Scripture. I've memorized them all. I just can't remember where I put them. They're up there somewhere, but I can't find them anywhere. I, I don't know where they went. But, but, uh, uh, but, but we got to be able to discern between truth and error. And we live in a, a day where finding what's truthful and finding uh, what er- is errable is, 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 is uh, sometimes hard to do. Someone has says that people come to church to either eye the clothes or close the eyes. And sometimes our eyes are closed. What's really happening right in front of us? Many times we sit in days for an hour or two hours in church uh, in some reliable, pious attitude. But the Word of God brings us strength. And listen, we need physical food. We need spiritual food. I'm going to try to rush through. I have a really long introduction as normal. I'm sorry about that. Sorry, Haley. And, uh, but but uh, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to work over that problem I have. But I got a lot, a lot I want to lay down before I get to this verse and lay out these, these words to us this evening. It's the word of God that reveals who Christ Jesus is. And I believe in the years I've read and just read and read and read the word of God, I believe Jesus Christ is on every page. He's on every page. You read, just read it as a love story. Go trying to figure out all the things that you can't figure out. Just read it and read it. It's like taking a shower spiritual shower. I don't stop every drop of water and ask them what they mean. I just know they wash things off of me. They clean me. That's made possible as I see the face of Christ in the words of Christ. Not just the red words either, by the way. I think one of the things that cause believers to be, will be ashamed at the period of Christ will be the fact that one day you'll, you'll say, you'll realize, boy, I was very ignorant of the Word of God. This is not exactly what I was expecting to see when I see Jesus face to face. Listen to me. Uh, we, we say that one of, our, uh, one of our problems is our children don't listen to us anymore. And my question to us parents, do we listen to our, to our Heavenly Father? Listen to what he has to say for us. And, and uh, uh, there's no contemplation of Christ. And there's no uh, sanctuary which brings us power. And we need to leave this busyness and dirtiness of this world and go aside with the word of God and contemplate him and worship him and praise him. And I got like four points in the introduction and then five points in the message. And then hopefully we'll be out of here by 8 o'clock. And uh, no, I'll be wore out by 8 o'clock, so you can count on that. But, but we'll get out of here quickly this evening. But I want to leave this to you. But I want you to think about this. And as I kind of lay this groundwork again about this verse, I want you to put your thinking hat on. And I want you to go back through your mind and your memory. How much time do I spend thinking about these things this verse brings up to us? We are to be, number one, we are to be strong. We are to be strong. But you're only going to be strong if you're in the Lord. And we, we shouldn't depend on our own strength. And I'm going to tell you, as I kind of alluded to a little while ago, talking about uh, my friend Harold here, is that, boy, if you don't trust the Lord, you'll be out of this business quick. 
You got to trust in the Lord and here, here for us to, to work out uh, every detail and plan of our life. We need to spend some time thinking him. And I have no doubt. And, and I believe as pastor was speaking this morning about uh, uh, there's appointed times and there's appointed places. And if we're uh, in tune with the spirit of God, we'll be at those appointments. We'll be at that place. I couldn't help but just rolling over with joy this morning as he's talking about that, that place, about the, uh, Jesus meeting the Samaritan woman right there at the right time, at the right place. And how many times in my life, my personal life, has God led me to be at the right place at the right time? Right. Amen. I mean, I, I, mean I, I broke every rule as a pastor, counseling pastor when I moved down here. Had no job and no church to go to, but I didn't think there was any, many churches here, so I figured it wouldn't be a problem. In the very first place that someone told us we ought to go visit, the very first place we visited, we're stuck here. That's appointed by God. That's appointed by God. You you have to believe that. And I believe that's because my wife and I both have committed ourselves to God. We commit ourselves to the word of God. And we believe that he will direct us. He'll get us to our destiny. He'll get us where we want to be. I believe all my soul. In the last four or five, six years, I've just been doing flips in my heart thinking about how good God's been to us. He's directing and guiding us. But what are we thinking about? Uh, and, and if I had stopped years ago with many reasons and, and even justifiable reasons just to give up, throw in the towel, and walk away from all this ugly mess, I'd have missed all this right now. Be strong in the Lord. Listen to the whisper of the Spirit of God as he directs us. Listen to your conscience as it's surrendered to him. Walk and think and plan as the Holy Spirit leads. And I, listen, I'm not, a, I'm not a tongue wanger and I'm not a run around the church uh, 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 guy whatsoever. I'm definitely not handling snakes. But I do believe and following the direction of the Holy Spirit in my life. And I believe he walks with me, and he talks with me, and he tells me I am in his own. And I need to yield myself to that in my life. I need to be strong in that very fact. In this verse, there are some facts that we as live a normal Christian life that we need to follow. And I think what will make an extraordinary Christians or make ordinary Christians extraordinary would be by thinking about these things. We'll get there in a minute. Hang on with me. As we think of these things and put them in perspective, our sins and our weaknesses, which I think is the issue we're dealing with here, is that we don't want our sins to be identified. We don't want our weaknesses to be identified because we think we're pretty good. And that's pretty natural for us to think we're pretty good. But as we think on these things, those sins and things we're doing that we should not be doing, that we've been convicted about, are brought into perspective and the, Lord, the joy of the Lord should always be my strength. Number two, I want to say uh, we are to be steadfast. Be strong. I know these are kind of similar, but we need to be steadfast. That steadfast means to remember, recollect, recollect, uh, uh, recollect Christ, if you would. Consider Christ. Talk with Christ. Uh, we are to make uh, use of the grace of God in order to, pos- to possess Christ in his fullness. He is the living water that should, bring, should spring up into eternal life in us. And how can you live with joy in your heart and happiness and, steadfa- and steadfastness? Because I'm living in the Lord. And I believe that one day I'm going to say goodbye, world, goodbye. And you guys can have it. There's nothing here that I'm attached to that I'm not willing to leave behind. 
goodbye, real goodbye, like that song. And if we possess, uh, we possess Christ and our, he's our hope and our glory and uh, uh, we think on these things, we are steadfast, we're not gonna change. Uh, one of the things that I appreciate about this church and the many, many decades has been here, I believe it's been strong and I believe it's been steadfast. Hasn't wavered. It's staying where it needs to be at with many pastors, many different members. And guess what? As time goes on, there'll be maybe many more pastors and many more members. That's just the way it goes. But it can be steadfast, and I can be steadfast. Number three, we ought to be students. I didn't like school. Didn't like school at all. School was a playground for me. I didn't think I did it on purpose, but now as I look back in my school days, I probably planned on getting in trouble before I got there. Anybody else like that? Anybody else here with a class clown? Anybody else got paddled in front of everybody else? I remember in first grade, my teacher grabbed me and put me in front of the class, not in a private room somewhere, not in the principal's office, put me over her chair in front of everybody and whopped me a few times with a paddle. In first grade, I hated her ever since. I haven't forgot her name, Mrs. Humphrey. I haven't forgot her. And I'm pretty sure I'm saying to myself, you deserve a lot more than that, man. <laughs> but we are to be students. And I thank God over these 30 plus years, he's helped me to control my mind and my heart to become a student. A student of his word. A student of the ministry. A student of church. And boy, student of people, people are just crazy. And I'm crazy. But you need to be a student. Everyone is different. And some are difficult. But we need to be students of, of God and his word. We stay, listen, I know everyone in this room, we're on different levels. We have different levels of, of comprehension, different levels and different ways of studying. Some of us need the association to study things and some need that. But I found personally that what got me really in studying the word of God was me just to read it and 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 read it every day. There was a, I'm not bragging, I'm, not, I'm just telling you how God's transformed my mind, heart. There was a matter of over eight years that I read the Bible through every month. I didn't do anything else. I was a preacher. Didn't have to do anything else. You should have laughed at that. But I just read it, read it an hour or so in the morning, read it an hour or so in the afternoon if need be, and I just read it and read it and read it. Why? I ain't too smart. And I'm not. I'm not brilliant. But I found out that, that word of God will wash you. It'll clean you. It'll give you direction. I just want to be steadfast in it. And now today, I don't read it quite that much, but I spend quite a bit of time uh, every day still in the word of God in different places and reading it. And, and, and uh, when it comes sermon time, I got this passage. I got this story. I, I got this figured. I, I got this. It's right there. And I say to myself, how did you get there? I got there by being a student of the Word of God. Nothing special to me. I have no, my IQ is probably 50. But I know this, if you try it, God will give you a new mind and a new heart 
and be direct, and we can direct in him. And then number four, and we're going to jump into the, the words here. I'm trying to, yeah, I got plenty of time doing good. We are to be thinkers. I didn't say stinkers, I said thinkers. It's different than students. It's, it's a reckoning or a considering things. A, a born-again believer, we are to think on these things. And what I was, but the, Paul was telling us here in this, this passage is I am to think about these things that he listens to us, and, and, and then what are we going to do about those things that he lists to us? I'm going to go through those for the sermon tonight. We should be uh, strong and steadfast as students, but I think, more importantly, I couldn't find an S for thinker. You think you want to let me know, I'll put it down there, all right, and make it outline work right. But thinker, am I a thinker? Uh, uh, as a born-again believer, am I thinking about the things, meaning, am I serious about God's Word when it says, think on these things? All right, here we go. You ready? 15-minute round. You ready? Uh, I wouldn't count on that, but we'll try. Number one, we are to think on things that are what? True. Things that are true. Worthy of credit. Let's be real today. Uh, do we truly believe that we are living in a true informational world? Do you believe that your favorite newcaster, newscaster who you've listened to since Noah got off the ark is telling you the truth? And the question is, I don't understand why we keep watching it. <laughs> I, I, I don't, why do we keep listening to it? Why aren't we? Well, I'm looking for truth. I want to know the truth was really happening. Let's be real today. If you really believers, do you really believe the news? Is it really worthy of our credit? And I'm saying the only reason I'm picking on the news tonight is this, because I fear that as God's people, we spend more time with the news than we do with what's true. That's all I'm saying. I'm not saying you shouldn't, you shouldn't be uh, informed what's happening. You want to know what's going on. I, 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 I gauge and I, and I control myself what I pay attention to and who I listen to and what I listen to. And, uh, uh, and I found out that most everybody telling a lie. But anyhow, but if I'm going to be set free, I must know the truth. And for this reason, not for many years, and I, I've thought this before here, I think uh, even in my classroom, but I say this, and uh, I think Judy will, will know this. Uh, we were taught in ACE, remember training, that you weren't supposed to believe anything that you were told and half of what you see. You remember that? In ACE training, sure you remember that. And this was over 30 years ago I was taught that. So I began to think about, what do you mean? Well, don't believe everything here. Now listen, it doesn't mean I don't believe you, but I don't believe you. I give some credence to what you say because of who you are and respect level I may have for you, but I gotta have something to verify what you're saying. What's true? What is true? It, when life. So you've got to be careful. It saves yourself. Saves from, that saves from gossiping. Saves from spreading things that aren't true about somebody. And that doesn't mean sometimes things may not, may, may be true. But don't take me wrong this evening. I'm not saying I don't believe you. But I don't believe you till the gospel truth is told. But I do believe you. Because I put people at a respectful level where I do believe. You tell me something, I'm going to believe what you tell me. But some people, I don't believe anything they tell me. Until someone else comes to the signed document and says, notarizes it, this is true. Why, why do you do that? Why, why, do I, why do I think that way? And I have a biblical answer for that. I'm going to give you. I'm glad you asked me. But there are someone's words I always believe. And his words throughout my life have always come true to me. And God said it. I believe it. And that's good enough for me. Right? 
Lord, that as a kid. Someone, I believe what he says. It's true. It's right. I'm not saying anyway that things you've told me or things you say to me that, you're, that they're not true. Even though I don't believe you. What I'm saying is I'll file what you tell me and somewhere down the road something will verify the fact that what you told me is true. And I'll say, okay. Mark that off the list. But why do you say that? Why, why, do, I, why do I live that way? I know there are a lot of theories about things, but this is why I believe that. Because Jeremiah 17, 9 tells me the heart is deceitful and above all things and desperately wicked, and who can know it? The Bible tells me in Romans 3, 4, let God be true and every man a liar. Psalms 119.60 says, Thy word is true from the beginning, and every one of thy righteous judgments endureth forever. Proverbs 29.20 tells me, Seest thou a man that is hasty in his words, there is more hope for a fool than him. These are things that characterize us as humans, and these are things i got to realize that not everything that someone says may be totally accurate, so i got to be careful. i got to put it up to the word of God and size it up and see if it lines up. Proverbs 26, 4 says, answer not a fool. And let me, let, let, if you'll get this verse down, it'll save you so much heartache. Answer not a fool according to his folly, lest thou, be also, lest thou also be like unto him. You listen to a foolish man, you're just like him. Don't argue with somebody who's foolish. It's not true. And verse 5 says, answer a fool according to his folly, lest he be wise in his own seat. When you begin to argue with him, when you begin to talk with him about whatever it may be, he thinks he's right. Those are Bible truths that I'm to live by. That's why I try to live that direction about believing things that are told to me. Number two, we are to think on things that are honest. Oh, my word. Honest. According to the great deal, the meaning accorded is a great deal of respect, especially because of maybe someone's age or wisdom or character, uh, honorable, uh, reverent man of uh, uh, honest report. I understand that we live in a day where it is hard to, to find an honest person. Just mentioned this morning, talked this morning in class about deceitfulness and deceitfulness of men, and it's so prevalent, and we gotta be so careful. It's in the church world. Deceitfulness, for whatever ungodly reasons may be, and, and we are to live honest lives, and above board, and, and we are to, those we come in contact with, is people in your neighborhood, people at work, people where you are at, people and kids in school with you, do they think you're an honest person? Think on those things. In the passage of sowing the seed in Luke chapter 8, when it's finally all done, the, the seed that actually grew and took root in verse 15 was the fruit, was the seed that was planted uh, with honest and a good heart, having the word kept it and brought forth fruit with much patience. The fruit that prospered or grew in that parable was the seed that was planted in good ground, or if you'd say an honest heart. We can look at others and we can see if they're honest. We're allowed to look around and see if we find men of good report or good honest report. 
Acts chapter 6 talks about when they chose men to uh, help the uh, uh, widows. And when they need to be done, it says they, in Acts 6, 3, and when they looked among them, seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, whom they may appoint over the business. And I want you to notice there is not just honest report. They were full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom. There were some godly men that they chose to carry out this. Romans 12, 17 tells us, recompense uh, to no man evil for evil. Provide those things honest in the sight of all men. Do we think about things that, well, you know what, if I, if, I'm a, if I don't be honest, I may not get the advantage here. Listen, I'd rather go home broke and honest than go home broke a thief or go home rich a thief. Sure. Second Corinthians chapter 9, 21, providing things honest and not only in the sight of the Lord, but also right in the sight of men. Listen, are our lives, when people look at us and you say they shouldn't do that, well, they're going to. Do they say, that's an honest person or that person owes me? Been in this business a long time. I won't go down story after story. I could probably spend all kinds of time with stories, but I can't tell you how many Christian people, so-called Christian people, who are thieves, you know, have taken and borrowed and begged from other Christians, taken whatever it may have been and never paid it back. Something this guy right here taught me was this. He said, Brother Murray, I still call me Brother Murray. I don't know why he does that. Brother Murray, if you can't afford to buy it, don't borrow it. Is that what you're saying? Sure is. You can't afford to buy it, don't borrow it. Nothing wrong with borrowing it. Make sure you can buy a new one, though, if you break it. Why? Well, it's being honest, being above board. Uh, uh, 2 Corinthians 13, 7. Now, I pray to God that you do no evil, <clears throat> nor that you should, should appear ap approved, but that you should do that which is honest, though, as though we be reprobates. What's he saying? Even though you're a sinner, you're a reprobate sinner, you still ought to be honest in the sight of God. And we don't think about those things. You think about when you buy that, whatever it may be, whenever you uh, make that deal with somebody, are you being honest? Are you being fair with that person? Now go on, number three. So we're going to be true and honest. Number three, we ought to think on those things, and I don't, almost said it ahead of time, that are just. Just. This justice indicates righteousness, a state of right. Uh, or right conduct, whether by God or by man. I believe God is all just. And God is all right. But the issue now is that we have a, twist, a twisted way of carrying out what is just. I'm going to tell you, when I was growing up, I wasn't allowed to give my side of the story. Anybody like that? My mom was judge, jury, and executioner. And if she knew if something was up, whether, whether it may have been a little bit off, I was getting executed. I don't understand that. I do now. But think about those things that are just. Do you ever think about that word you find in Scripture, 1 John 1, 9? We love that verse. If we confess our sins, right? He is faithful and what? Just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Do you realize this, this evening, no matter what you've done, no matter where you've gone, no matter how, un, how sinful and ungodly you've been, if you confess your sin, God is just. Yeah. 
to forgive you your sins. We ought to think about that. We ought to think about those things. Uh, verse John 2, 29, and if ye know that he is righteous, or that word, same word for just, ye know that every one of you that doeth righteousness is born of him. When you live a righteous life, a just life, it's an indication that you are born again. The family of God. Listen, those who can't do the right things and those who can't be just have right judgment. I'm worried about their salvation. Because there should be something knocking you upside the head saying, you shouldn't be doing this. There's something wrong here. You should be just with God. You can be just with men. You can be just with living in the commandments of God or the laws of God, if you would, the works of God and the ways of God. I would have just right lives. But we don't think about those things. What is really right? I, I, I've contemplated often in my life, boy, is this right for me to do this? Is this just for me to do this? Is this something I should really consider doing? You got to think about it. I know sometimes I'm like you. Come nighttime now at my age and I'm not that old, my brain turns off. If I don't read and study during the day or early, early in the morning, uh, I got problems with the brain. It doesn't want to it turns into a mush. But I'm going to tell you this. I want to be just and I want to think about what is right, not only for God, but for man. Am I treating my fellow humans justly? But you got to think about it. Number, let's go on. So true and honest and just. Hey, we're almost there. Uh, number four, I guess. Think on those things that are pure. And it means exactly what you think it means. It means chase and purity. And pure is the only, uh, uh, is the individual, uh, of course, that Christ walked was and he walked on the face of the earth. And you and I live in a dirty world and you cannot walk the streets anywhere around this world and not get dirty. You can't even watch the commercials anymore without seeing dirty things on the commercials. Your eyes, they're trying to get your eyes and get them dirty. And, and boy, I get tired of, uh, of what you see the filth going on and no one thinks anything about it. No one thinks there's anything wrong with it anymore. And boy, we live in a filthy world. But as a child of God, I'm supposed to be pure and chase and live a pure life the best I can. I know I'm not perfect. And I have my shortcomings, and I find myself now and then catching myself, oh, man, you shouldn't be doing this. You shouldn't be watching this. You shouldn't be listening to this. And it's, it's, and it's, not, it's an ongoing battle. Until then, it's an ongoing battle. But we ought to live pure. Uh, uh, we live in a dirty world. First Timothy 5, too late. Lay hands suddenly on no man, neither be partakers of other man's sins. Keep thyself pure. James tells us, uh, but the wisdom that is from above is First, pure, then peaceable and gentle and easy to be entreated, full of mercy and good fruits without partiality, without hypocrisies. We're supposed to try to live a pure life. And the way you find out what's pure is, again, through his precious word. And that answer is not clear. As you're living your life, the Holy Spirit of God will give you what's pure and what's right. First John <clears throat> 3, 2, beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be. But we know that when, we shall see, when he shall appear, we shall be like him, 
for we shall see him as he is. And every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself even as he is pure. You don't wait till Jesus comes. We start working on that now. But we've got to think on these things. We've got to meditate on these things. We've got to well, put, our, put some energy behind those. So we think on things that are true, things that are honest, and things that are uh, just and pure. And uh, <clears throat> lastly, things that are lovely. Lovely. Pleasing. This word means pleasing, uh, agreeable. This is a, a phileo love, if you would, a uh, manly love. But think on things that are lovely. Think of those things. In New Testament, this is the only place we find the word lovely uh, used as it is here, uh, here in Philippians chapter 4, verse number 8. Whatever things are lovely. What? Things that are pleasing. Things that are agreeable. 1 Samuel, I mean, sorry, 2 Samuel chapter uh, number 1. It tells of John, Saul and Jonathan that they were lovely and pleasant in their lives. Song of Solomon, uh, verse five, uh, chapter five, verse sixteen. His mouth was mostly yea. He is altogether lovely. This is my beloved, and this is my friend, O daughters of Jerusalem. Talking about uh, the uh, wife, if you would, or the lady talking about her husband. He was lovely. Ezekiel talks about uh, having a lovely song uh, and this inner pleasant voice we have on the inside. It plays as an instrument. Esther, we see in the word Esther is an indication there. She comes before the king in the king's court and she's worried whether he's going to let her in or he's going to have her killed because she didn't have an appointment. She steps into the courtroom and the king sees her and sees her loveliness. He points the scepter toward her and enters the, so she can enter and bid and come before him. Are we thinking about things? Are we, are we trying to be agreeable? Pleasable. Do we think about that? Do you know, can I be just humanly honest with you for a moment? There are, I'm not going to say that I don't like people, even though I say it kiddingly. I'm not going to say I don't love people. But there are people I don't want to be around. Anybody like that? And sometimes you have to work with those people. Anybody, you know what I'm talking about? Sometimes you have to, you have to work with them. So what does that mean? I mean, I need to be lovely in my relationship with them. Pleasing, agreeable, even though, I don't want to be mean. I won't be mean. I was going to be mean, but I won't be mean. Even though I really not, rather not have this conversation with them. But we have to work together. And in the church world, I wish we all could be agreeable and pleasable to each other because we all are different. We are different. We are different. Then the last one, I guess, did I I say that already? Last one, did I say that already? Probably didn't. Anyhow, last one's what? It don't matter. We're not leaving or I'm done, so don't get in a hurry. (laughs) Still zero, zero. They just kicked off. Anyhow, I got a little TV right here. I'm watching. (laughs) But I think the Christian's going to win. Some of you know what I'm talking about, some of you don't. Anyhow, uh, whoever has the most Christians on a team, they're going to win the game because they prayed more to win the game. That's why, anyhow, the last one, it is the last one, good report. What's a good report? 
uttering words or sounds of a good omen, uh, then avoiding ill-open Ill words and avoiding our conversation that when you talk to this guy, this guy, we have a good report about this guy. This guy is a stand-up guy. This lady is a stand-up person. We think on good things, and I know it's natural for us to share the dirt and the unnatural things, and it's hard to be positive in our speech, and sometimes we have to address negative things, and sometimes we have to live in that world to maybe fix a problem or to deal with something, but we ought to be living in a more positive, uh, 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 good report world than always trying to be in the dirt, and I think what's happening in our world, we're being programmed by, by the world, by the government, by, by the news, uh, that everything's bad, everything's falling apart, and nothing's happening. And I know it changes. Every two years it changes now, it seems like. But I'm still living pretty good. I still got a nice house. Still got a nice vehicle, I guess, to drive. Still got some things I enjoy around my property. I still got my wife 43 years later, right? Things are still good. There's a good side to all this, even though they think the world's falling apart. But we're to think about, have a good report of our lives. Uh, be positive. Proverbs 15, 30, the light of the eye rejoices the heart, but a good report maketh his bones fat. That's my favorite verse. I love fat bones. Amen. God help you if you're skinny. I mean, if, I mean, if you're skinny, you got one stripe showing in your pajamas. Striped pajamas, anyhow. I have a whole list of jokes about that, but I'll go on. <laughs> Hebrews 11.1, 1, now faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of not seen, right? But verse number two says, for by it, elders obtain a what? A good report. The way you live your life, faithfully following the Lord, the elders of the of the ministry see that and they say, well, that person's got a good report. We voted on men this morning to be some of our leaders in our church and those men have to have a good report with us to be voted to be some of our leaders. Now, they're not perfect. Lord knows they're not perfect. But we're not perfect either. But those men have a good report about their lives. So let me summarize my thinking here and I'm, I'm winding down here, I promise you. In studying out these thoughts, there's one thing that I didn't ever see before as I was studying these words, both, both just in, in the English dictionary, in the Greek, Greek and, and all that, looking at all that stuff, and, and sometimes I get more confused by doing that and just believing what it says. But I found something very interesting. Every one of these things, truth and honest and pure and lovely, in a good report, they were adjectives. You know what an adjective is, you good students? Adjectives modify. They modify. And I believe what they're modifying is the life of a Christian who has virtue. Amen. Yep. If there be any virtue, if there be any praise, Think on these things. Think on these things. Verse number nine, and we're done. Those things which you have both learned and received and heard and seen in me, Paul's saying, hey, what's he saying next? One little, two little word. Do. Hey, the Christian life's easy. Just do it. It's not hard. What, what do you mean do? Think about these things. 
Think about what's, what's true. Think about what's, what's, what's right. Think about what's just. Think about these things. Think about what's pure and honest and a good report. He would do them. Don't just, don't just say, oh, yeah, that's a great sermon. That's a great thought. That's a great verse in the Bible. No, do it. Do it. Think on these things. I think we're living in a day where we don't have many thinkers and got a lot of stinkers. And we're trying to rely on everybody else around us when we could do it ourselves. You know, I can't stop the bird from flying over my head. But I can stop, where, I can stop them nesting in my head, though. I can't stop where they fly, but I can stop where they nest. And the thing about the Christian life is if I'm living and thinking the right ways, I can stop those things that should not be nesting in my life as I'm resting in the Word of God. Thank you, Lord, for the Word of God this evening. God, this verse has is, is just gone over and over in my heart the last week or so. It seems so simple and so innocent as you just instruct us on thinking about some things that are pure and right and natural, and yet we find ourselves, I think it's conviction sometimes, maybe it's just same old, same old. I'm not really sure why we don't take time and ponder this verse with some very simple instructions. Do this. Think on these things. How simple, but yet seems to be so hard. We had still bowed this evening. Let me just ask you, dear friend, tonight. I know the cares and the ways of this world sometimes seem so hard. They seem unbearable sometimes. But we're not instructed to think on those things. We're not instructed to think on the weights and cares of the world. We're instructed to think on some great things, the things of God. And I just want to encourage you tonight, as dear fellow believers, let's think on the right things. Let's do these things. Maybe tonight, from your heart, you commit yourself to God and say, you know what, God, I'm just going to try to put my thinking in the right way. I'm going to put it on the right highway. I'm going to think about the right things. Make you a list. Make you a list of these things and think about them and ponder them and think about the goodness of God in your life. And boy, I think you'll be surprised how your life can be changed. Your mind can be renewed. Thinking on the proper things. Let's stand on our feet this evening. Thank you for listening today. If you'd like to know more about Central Baptist Church, events, and ministries, please visit our webpage at cbckannapolis.com.